environment. Hey everybody, welcome to the Air Environment. The Air Environment is a part of the Jackson Cloud Network. It is the podcast where science and faith meets. She's the urban scientist, Aaron Schott. And he is the urban pastor, Jamin Bradley. Wait, did I say urban scientist? You said environmental scientist. Did you say it? Will that make you the <laughs> environmental pastor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I said anymore, but whatever it is, it's official. It stays, and that is our new titles. Um, we're getting ready to hop into a conversation, which uh, I know very little about, but Erin knows everything about carbon offsetting. So I'm sure she's going to explain what even that is before we get it. There was a word that I didn't know in the title of this episode, ethical. The question is, is whatever we're talking about ethical Time will tell. Aaron, would you like to? Well, take I'm not us in? an expert on carbon offsetting, but I think as Christians, it provides an interesting ethical dilemma that I think we should be fun to chat about. And uh, I don't know, maybe we can talk about capitalism and consumption for a minute. <laughs> I, I know you'll really I, enjoy that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want to talk about carbon offsetting. It's not like a new term. It's been around for a long time, but it's mostly been used in a corporate sense. But as we move into a post-climate like breakdown awareness world, it's been starting to use more and more. Like my Part of my job at work is I answer emails, like inquiries will come in. And I've actually gotten emails coming in being like, oh, how do I, if I do this, can I do this for a carbon offset, offsetting to cover like my air flight? And I uh, want to cover it that because it's starting to become a buzzword that people are using more and more. So what exactly is carbon offsetting? Um, well, first of all, my notes are backwards and I'm going to fix them because, oh, boy, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so what it is, it's a reduction of emissions of CO2 or other greenhouse gases made in order to compensate for emissions made elsewhere. So usually it's something that you can purchase. So there are two types of carbon offsets. There's the compliance and the voluntary. Uh, in compliance markets, so like like areas where compliance is necessary, companies, governments, or other entities buy what is called carbon offsets, which is basically buying like carbon credits that you're allowed to use for the year. They're equivalent to your carbon impact. Um, a carbon offset is usually measured in tons of carbon. Yeah, tons of carbon dioxide equivalent. So it's like CO2 E or whatever. So one ton of carbon offset re represents the reduction of one ton of carbon dioxide or its equivalent of greenhouse gases. So if you output a ton of carbon dioxide, then you will pay the equivalent of this offset. And then you're like, oh, we'll see, because it's it's uh, neutral now. They don't they cancel each other out, which is the idea behind it. So in order to comply with mandatory and legally binding caps on a total amount of carbon dioxide, they're allowed to emit so many per year. So there's a total of carbon offsets that you can purchase per year. And usually failure 
failure to comply with these mandatory caps within compliance markets uh, usually results in like fines or like a legal pen penalty. It's not anything super harsh. A lot of corporations can really, they can cover it because it's money. Um, that means like you, you compensate for every ton of CO2 you emit and by assuring there's one less ton in the atmosphere, but some people don't and then they just pay fun, fines. Uh, the voluntary market, however, is for individuals, companies, organizations, and subnational governments who purchase carbon offsets to mitigate their emissions to be carbon neutral goals. So this can be like a case by case basis or all as one. A lot of for especially for individuals is a case by case basis. It's like when you would take an an international flight, you would offset your carbon by donating money somewhere. Uh, but they're not they're are not required. A lot of um, when it says subnational governments is like your local council or I can't remember what the word for your what is the local form of government in where you're at because all I can remember city is council, council now. Council. What? Like a city council? Yes, a city <laughs> council. Why didn't I just say city council? It's the you're same word, just with the word city in front of it. Jedi Council. You're like that. <laughs> the Jedi right. Council. You sit in front of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like your city council can apply to like for carbon offsets, but they are not mandatory, so they don't have to do that. So, so you've paid this bunch of money, and then you're like, okay, well, what what is being funded with this money? Well, typically, uh, the carbon offset supports projects that are dedicated to reduce the emission of greenhouse gases in short or long term. Uh, like, honestly, it's hard to go into specifics here on what carbon offsets are exactly used for because there are over 200 types of projects that are considered suitable for generating carbon offsets. And that would be incredibly boring if I just went through every single time. It, I tried, I, w I thought maybe I could put it down into some categories today and I was bored doing it. Uh, so it's like, no, <laughs> it ranges from renewable energy to like land use changes. Like it's variety. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to, not going to list them all for you, but there are, there's a bunch of different ways. Um, so before we talk about, uh, is it ethical? I want to talk about like, does it actually work? So the science behind it but is before like, before you go, go there, can I layman's term recap Absolutely. just to make sure I'm tracking? Absolutely, because I did just use a lot of words. So you can hurt the environment if you can afford Correct. it. Correct. So the more money you have, the more you're allowed to hurt the environment and to try to make up for that, the money that you pay to hurt the environment goes towards projects that help the environment. Correct. Okay. That, so, so I'm tracking. Yeah. Okay, proceed. Yeah, so that's basically like, I, I can, if I can afford to do, hurt the environment, I can afford to put money into, back into it. But does it actually work? So scientifically, does this work? The aim of carbon offsetting is that it delivers carb secure carbon savings while offering benefits to both developed and developing countries. So it's countries that wouldn't have ways to do, what is that about? Wouldn't have ways to fix, fix the issue and then countries that are over polluting. Uh, so is this scientifically helpful? Well, let's take tree plant planting, for instance. I think we can both agree that tree planting is an important way of carbon sequestration, which is like just putting 
keeping carbon in one space, right? Like, I thought it was a bunch of trees wearing like <laughs> gowns. Sequin gowns. Basically, sequestration is the carbon is sequestered, like it's imprisoned within the tree. So it's kept there. So instead of being released into the environment, it's kept in one spot. So they're really important for that. They're really important important for releasing oxygen that which like dilutes the CO2 levels. It's important, right? We can agree that. Yeah. Yes. But is all tree planting equal? Like is all tree planting equal? Like does it probably do you think probably not? <laughs> I mean I like yeah, but most people would think, sure, you could just plant trees well, anywhere and it's fine. Yeah. So like I remember the publishing company that I put my first book through, I was like, you know, I feel a little bad because now I'm just using a paper. Like, oh, we legitimately plant these trees to cut them down to make paper and then plant more trees. So, like, it's a renewable resource. It's not just running out and hacking stuff down for the sake of... Right. But let's say, like, they, they weren't correct about because that is a responsible yeah. way of using up a, a renewable resource because they're probably using pine trees they take about five years to reach maturity cut them down plant them it's easy right you can't just go out and like chop down old like old growth oak trees that's been around for like 45 years you're not going to get your same return back on that yeah no it's more like a tree farm that's been created for the sake of one purpose yeah yeah so not 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 all tree planting is created equal. A lot of people think you can cut down trees one place and then just plant them somewhere else. But actually, no. If you plant trees in an area that's made to be constantly renewable or a decrepit area where a building used to be and now needs to be revitalized, then yes, absolutely. But if you're tearing out perfectly healthy and functioning ecosystems, like possibly a meadow, which doesn't always look like an ecosystem, it looks like an open field, or a bog, which also can look like just an open field to plant trees, well, then no, you're actually causing more destruction than helping, especially in the instance of a bog up peat bogs, which are mostly common in um, Europe and this part of Europe, uh, they're very common in the north of Scotland, they actually contain more carbon. They contain 500 years worth of carbon, like in like two inches. Like they, they compact and compact and compact. And there's so much carbon sequestered there that if we were to dig them up and plant trees, like deep, deep bogs, we would be releasing more carbon than we would be sequestering. And that Interesting. Would, that that would be bad. In addition to this, like carbon sequestration rates from trees differ uh, over time and by species. Like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like ethical questions around, not really ethical, but environmental questions about where when is it right to plant trees? Where do we write them? How deep can a bog be when we're planting trees? Like there's a lot of things about this. I won't really go into it, but um, but we like it's not you can't just do the same thing for everything, right? So the purpose of carbon offsetting, like I said, it needs to deliver benefits while, like, deliver carbon saving while also benefiting other places. So there's many indications scientifically that these goals have not been met. Studies show that the introduction of carbon offsets have actually led to an increase in emissions. Instead of taking action locally, people will um, prefer a passive approach to the environment. So instead of, like, composting or helping out a local charity with something that they may need for a project just throw money at it and then you'll feel better 
Hmm. which is what, what you said before, like if you can afford it, you will do it. So this is directly leading us to the main danger of carbon offsetting, replacing action to reduce your own emissions with sig- significant environmental consequences. Gotcha. Yeah. So, it, I mean, you mentioned capitalism at the start of this. It kind of sounds like that's going to feed into this conversation eventually. It leads, yeah, kind of right into it. Um, so, like, that is my question. Is it ethical to engage in carbon offsets? Like, our responsibility to the environment, whether it be individuals, corporations, or otherwise, like, like our responsibility is to the environment. Like, but is this actually helping? Well, no. In some ways, it is. Like countries that need projects to help with pollution and carbon emissions because they're not as developed as countries who can. Yeah. But the problem is, is the countries that are creating a lot of pollution as well, nothing's happening locally. So what they're doing is they're creating more and more pollution, and then the countries that are underdeveloped are working against they're basically working against the tide right so Mm -hmm. like so is this just making us feel it just makes you doesn't it just make you feel better like what moral assumptions are being made by purchasing these offsets like does it absolve us of action really yeah Yeah, I mean I this fits into so many other conversations as well but there's there's a to say this there is a really old christian movie i enjoy (laughs) (laughs) christian media is not usually good in fact this one i don't know it may not even be good itself but whatever i think being an urban pastor stuck out to me because it was about urban ministry it was about it was about like a a white guy at a mega church in this case michael w smith was playing the character i've seen this movie yeah, I might have had you watch it once. Anyway, I've seen this movie, yeah. But there's like uh, uh, the urban pastor comes to the mega church because they've like helped support it over the years, and the guy gets up in the pulpit and he's like, "What? What is this?" You know, like they've all handed him money. He's like, "What is? We don't need your money. We don't. We don't need your money. We need your help." You know, like, <laughs> and the picture that they painted there in the church was like. In this particular case, it's a bunch of rich white mega church people mm-hmm. throwing a bunch of money at a poor black urban community church to go and do its ministry. And, uh, you know, to see a real scenario being painted in a Christian movie rather than the fictitious stuff right. that, <laughs> that often comes out. Um, uh, I just thought it was a rather poignant theme, but like it, it, it was the same. In my mind, it's, it's not the same. But in my mind, it was the same thing. Like, I can help something by throwing a bunch of money at it when, in fact, like, me being responsible and stepping up and doing my part to ensure that something like this can succeed is going to be a whole lot more powerful in the long run. Um, and sometimes even at uh, our church, you know, like, there's – there's not a lot of money. And when COVID hit, there's even less money, but like, right. it's, it's like not money's not going to be like the end all solution to us doing ministry. It's going to be people stepping up to make a difference, make an impact and partner with us. And yeah, that will require financial obligations sure. as well. But 
I think when money just becomes the end all, you just, you turn whatever it is into capitalism. Maybe it, I hurt the environment, but I paid it off. So I'm good. Right. Uh, or I, I, uh, I'm not going to go help with that church, but I paid it off. So it's all good. Like, it's just not, it's yeah. not always, it, it's, it's not equal it, anyways. No, it's definitely like, I, I have seen that movie. I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like, like, I think I made there's you nothing, watch it. I think you did make me watch it. Now that I think about it. Well, it's worth the time because um, I actually think about that movie a lot. Cool. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe I should watch it again. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like motivation is just as important. Um, but the action, like some places do need your money, but they also need your time and your help. So there's nothing wrong with giving money as long as you're uh, like saying, can I help in some way first? And they go, no, actually what we could really use is donations. Then yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But the offer of your time sometimes is just as, and even more so important than like throwing money at things like, like, yeah, you want to go on that big trip. Like none of us, all of us want to go on big trips right now because we're all stuck at home. But um, like you want to go on that flight but you're aware of the emissions and this is most frequently I bring this up because most frequently when individuals like me or you are talking about carbon offsetting, it's because you've driven a long distance or you've gone on a flight or you like, you've done something where you know that this is like putting out a lot of emissions. Um, and so those people, usually if you can go on a flight, you can also throw money at it. But also if you can go on a flight, you could probably also give up a little bit of your time. Uh, to help in some way or it doesn't even have to be with a charity like just start doing some stuff at home and again as I say with all these things if you cannot afford to do things then that's okay because it's not on your personal responsibility to fix a like chronically broken system however if we can do our part to do less damage then we should be doing it like, mm -hmm. like, like I, like I like to say, and I like it when you talk about it, is like how there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, and this is exactly that. Like, you can't ethically consume, 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 because you're putting all that plastic into the air, like putting plastic, and like I know we talk about like micro, like you've heard of microplastics before, right? Yeah, we've <laughs> talked about it on here. Like, oh yeah, little beads and yeah, soap. Yeah, like, is that microplastic? Or you'll get them in like toothpaste and stuff like that. They're microscopic. However, they also come from plastic being broken down because it's half-life. It's like hundreds of years that plastic will just get broken down to tiny little microplastics as well. And it gets into everything. And now they're showing like plastics being in like the placentas of like babies. Like it's, it's a big deal. Like it's in everything. And like we can do our best to consume less. Like that, that's something that we can do without throwing money at something. Like, like if you can't yeah. afford the environmentally friendly uh, soaps and stuff for your bathroom, well, then try to, like, not use as many one-use plastics. Yeah. Or if you have to buy that, that water bottle, reuse it lots of times. Don't just use it once and throw out. Yeah. I mean, anything that's built on wealth will eventually crush itself under its wealth. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like the indulgences in the medieval church, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like, right? Because the 
But it was like, oh, I sinned, but I'll just purchase this from the Pope and then uh, also oh. go to heaven. Yeah, or you're tra- trying to pay off your friends <laughs> <laughs> so that they can get out of purgatory or something like that. I, right, yeah. I, was, I don't know enough about do it. I, I'm just, <laughs> just, just trying to remember what I saw in the movie, more or less. I think it was Martin Luther. That one was not meant to be a Christian movie, but it's about a Christian movement played by What's-His-Face from Passion of the Christ. And that's my story. <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, uh, where were we? <laughs> indulgences. Oh, that, just how, mind. Where were we before uh, that? <laughs> I was mostly just going to ask, like, does, does there anything, like, I tried looking this up earlier, but I'm not as well, like, versed uh, as you. Like, is there anything that the Bible says about, like, throwing money at things or, like, using money to make stuff go away? Or, because, um, like, ethically, I, I, can, I feel like this is bad. Like, just like, oh, it's fine. I'll just be a rich person. and. Yeah, well, I mean... It has plenty to say about money and the misuse of it and the uh, love of it and what it will do. So I can't think of like a specific That's fine. passage offhand, but you always have money and justice kind of like um, uh, juxtaposed to each other. So you could go this, you could find enough space, of course, to go the route of like, finances or or our money when we worship that it can be the root of all evil or eventually lead us into all kinds of various sins so when jesus comes to the pharisees and says you abuse widows uh you devour widows houses we don't know what that means but in some way it probably could have been a money game you know like they're uh um Perhaps they'd come up with a plan where, like, this, the husband had written off the house in a law kind of way to the church, not the church at the right. time, but to the Pharisees, and then maybe they could sell it, and then the widows had nowhere to go, but now the uh, Pharisees had more money. In general, the Pharisees, the way that they're fra- kind of framed when they're seen as a... Uh, uh, I feel like I even want to find that quote I had right now. I know I'm kind of going off. No, you're here, fine. But, Go for uh, it. Um, so the Pharisees, when Jesus comes in and tells them uh, that you guys have turned us into a den of thieves, Nicholas Peron says, when we consider Jesus' disruption of business in the outer courts, along with his specific charge that the temple personnel have turned God's house into a den of robbers and align these observations with the first century perception of the high priesthood who, to use a modern day analogy, were seen as being a cross between a band of Colombian drug lords and a boardroom of extravagantly overpaid executives. We find that the evidence virtually speaks for itself. So uh, I'm segueing at this point but when you look at the pharisees and all of them like it's just like money so much has taken over all of their um concerns or they're living with so much wealth that everything can get kind of corrupted by it to the point that jesus walks in doesn't even recognize the religion he's looking at and starts flipping tables so 
Is that about trees? No. But (laughs) does it show that that like money eventually gets you to this place of just forgetting all your ethics? Sure. So I really wish I could pull out a more specific example. Well, that does kind of lead into like what the motivation of people are to like offset like often like individuals who can afford entire carbon offset tons are are like like corporate users that buy it for the sake of their own image like like people call it like greenwashing like they're just trying to make themselves look better it's about the optics okay Okay, yeah because like there's times for example when i go to a hotel and it's like hey don't leave your leave your towel hung up if you don't want us to wash it we're saving the environment like i get it we are like taking care of the environment watching our water consumption Mm -hmm. they don't want to wash that towel that costs them more money like i'm (laughs) like not for a moment and am i like oh yeah they're about the environment i'm like they're just trying to save themselves a few bucks keep keep optics low like so whenever i see organizations Sometimes when they're like, we're all about the environment. I'm like, are you good? We know that you're saving money on some of these tactics. And then there's others where maybe you know more about this than I do. I'm always, I'm always interested as to what the motivation is, but some like consumers energy, like I get, I pay my energy bill here. They're always constantly seeming to put out new ideas as to how to, keep costs low. Like you can run your energy at non-heightened hours in order to reduce your bill and they can show you all the different ways or you can invest in like solar panel property that they're working on in order to eventually bring it down. Anyways, I don't always see where they're saving money in some of these things. And so I wonder like, are they genuinely trying to figure out how to help the environment? So some of that is uh, interesting. Some of it, it's like, oh, if you invest in this solar panel, it's like, well, then you're investing your money into it. Uh, It's funny that you bring a power company because our power company here actually um, tells us where its energy is coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not all, it's not 100% renewable energy, uh, even though it tries to think our, our company is, it specifically is like this percent is from wind farms. This is from solar panels. This is from hydropower. This is from that. So it's very interesting. Like we've got like 80% or something that's from like renewable energy on our power bill. However, from what it sounds like, what your company is doing is putting the responsibility onto the consumer. Sometimes, but then other times they're just being very transparent about your usage and saying, here's how you can lower your bill. And I'm always like, who wants, what company wants you to lower your bill? Like, so I'm always right. like, do they actually have a concern to like keep energy consumption low for I the sake of? It's more of an optics thing. Cause they're like, Oh, probably. well, I we, gather, we, said, you know? <laughs> we said that you could lower your bill this way. Again, it's putting, it's putting the responsibility on the consumer. And that is a lot of like, whenever I'm saying, if you can't afford this, don't do it. It's because I don't think that it should be the responsibility of the consumer. Like there's, there's supply and demand. So if we're demanding that this happen as a body of society, then like, hopefully i say hopefully because i live in the present uh, hopefully governments and other like companies and legalities will follow suit because it's 
it's what the population wants. This is what they're asking for because it shouldn't be on the responsibility of you necessarily. Like, yeah, maybe you should use less power. It's probably better for your pocket and maybe good for your eyes if you're not looking at the TV or something so much. Like, I mean, what do I know? I'm sitting in my office. I'm using two screens right now. So like, <laughs> uh, oh, like there's, there's like actual benefits to like, being less of a consumer but it's not it shouldn't be like you or like someone just stressing out the grocery store because they can't afford they want to eat less meat because they know beef farming is bad but ground beef is the only protein that they can afford for their family like that's not on them as the consumer we have to create more affordable things for them to enable to consume or like help them adjust within their lifestyle so like that that is why i'm like i feel like maybe i'm a little too not um like critical of it because I'm like, are they helping or are they just putting all the responsibility onto you? That way they can wash their hands clean yeah. of the issue. Yeah. Well, they, there, there's been a lot of different tactics and I just mentioned one. So yeah. it's just been, it's been enough consistent messaging of how do you keep your bill lower and use less energy to the point where I'm like trying to figure, you know, at a hotel, I'm like, of course you don't want to wash more laundry. <laughs> but when an energy company's like, here's how you use less energy, I'm like, what? I'm surprised you care about yeah. that. So I, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some of that motivation behind it too. But again, I'm probably like too entrenched. It's hard in not skepticism. to be skeptical, yeah. <laughs> especially on conversations of energy company. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's exactly why I didn't really go into it because I was like, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life doing like environmental reports for companies that don't care. Uh, yeah, those like it's just an optics thing. And the second is like individuals will buy carbon offsets, like I said, to like clear your conscience, uh, like so I can continue to engage in my high carbon activities without like feeling guilt. And that's like, don't throw money at things. Like we said a lot today. Yeah. But it's bad. Don't don't, do don't it. buy your peace and happiness. Don't buy your what's a good expression that will make us all feel bad. Are you saying don't don't purchase your place in heaven? Is that what you're trying to say? That could work. Don't <laughs> don't pay for your ethics. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying but to think I, of yeah, a, it makes sense. trying to think of a parable somewhere now, but I got nothing at the moment. I just it's just using using buzzwords to make them more like approachable or appealing. So the new thing right now is I don't know if you've heard it, but it's really really big here. It's called uh, nature based solutions, uh, and like they are some of them are very good. Like NBS nature based solutions, they are like referred to like sustainable management and the use of nature for tackling like socio environmental issues. And that includes like climate breakdown, water security, water pollution, food security, human health, disaster risk, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times uh, they're actual like good things if they're presented from the viewpoint of a government or a non-governmental charity, conservation charity. They're usually something very practical that you can use. Um, what I would be careful if is if a company, which we've seen a car company here, was offering nature-based solution where if you purchase to plant this tree, it would offset your carbon output from your car for a year. So every year you would just have to buy a tree and then you could just drive your car as much as you wanted. I feel like we've already covered 
heard why that is an issue. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I, I've learned in this industry to take everything with a grain of salt. Like if people have really good ideas and it's very dangerous when it's co-opted for profit. And that is honestly where it is honestly money root of all evil. Like it just becomes an issue once you start to involve like corporations and how they can like look better or have less of a guilt with it. Like in the public eye. I mean, you think of what money can do in any situation. It can pretty much get you, it can get you out of jail. Right. I mean, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you've got to find, but you know what? If you pay us some money, we'll, We'll we'll overlook the the jail time. Like it's it's like you're, yeah. you're paying off your sins, you know. <laughs> just... I know I know it's so funny that we keep going back to that indulgences thing, but it really it really is. Like it's almost exactly that. Just like a new era, different kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, it always has a way of evolving into something. Yeah. Uh, the you ever see the TV show Better Off Dead? Yes. It was short, yep. short lived, but in every episode, they always had like the little business infomercials, like right before they go to commercials, is like, "Welcome to blah blah." Community, you know, and <laughs> just whatever everything is like super white and architectural and people in business suits smiling and that's some, <laughs> that's sometimes what the uh uh what it feels like when you know you're being like lied to by intense like where it's yeah, yeah you're helping the environment we've done this much to take care of the environment you know it's like because we did this much to harm it <laughs> so yeah. So you because, can you can you can always feel the the commercial when it comes on. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> just because we care, like, do you do you really? Yeah. Uh yeah, and that's just one of the things where it's so hard living in like a capitalist society because like we know these things, but we don't know how to change it, and a lot of times it's. That they're just like, oh, continue to throw money at it. But like I said earlier, if I think that overall, like if you can be doing both, then do both. Because a lot of important projects or research or help to reduce emissions need funding. Like mm-hmm. it's an issue that gets larger and larger every year, but the money that we're competing over, especially after post COVID, is smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's harder for us to get stuff done. Uh, but if you can't afford it, please, by all means, do that. However, your action is more valuable. So I would say always try to act first. And then if necessary or if you can afford it, by all means, give people some money. But hmm. um, Or, you know, just don't, don't fly to Japan. That's, uh, it's actually <laughs> funny. I've had some coworkers at work because they're in their... Um, late 40s, early 50s, and they've decided that when they're younger, they've done enough traveling, and that they're just gonna only travel within the in within the UK. If they have to take a flight, then they won't do it. And I was like, okay, well, I have a friend who lives in Australia. This was this was in January of last year when I still had plans, and I was like, well, I have a friend who lives in Australia, and I haven't seen her in like five or six years, so I'm still gonna go. Like I was still. Ma- like, I know 
what it does to the environment. But I also was making plans to not fly back to the States that year because I was like, I can't, I can't constantly be flying all over the place. So I will have to like pick my battles. And they were like, well, that's fine because you're young and you can have your adventure. I'm done. And I've done that. And it's like, sometimes you have to make that kind of action. So as a, as a non-action, like a sacrifice. So others can do things that like you, you got a chance to. Mm -hmm. That's also an interesting, that's a hot take for you. <laughs> I don't know why I said that like I'm the old person. I'm hip with the children. <laughs> you, you are. We're getting old, Aaron. I hate to break it. <laughs> Actually, I had one kid the other day ask me if I was 22, and I was like, yes. No, you're <laughs> like, oh, bless your heart, dear child. <laughs> like right oh, now. The children. I'm pretty sure Olivia's watching us right now. She hasn't seen half the movies or TV shows or music that we've seen. Because she's a child, a grown. Well, that's true. Child. Actually, okay. I know. Well, this is like completely derailed. But um, my sister-in-law didn't know what Captain Planet was, and then I realized she was seven years younger than me, and I was like, okay. Yeah, Olivia doesn't know what Captain Planet is either. We we referenced it the other day, and she had no idea what we were talking about. That's depressing. Also, in this day and age, everybody should know Captain Planet is. He literally saved the planet. Yeah. With the power. Through the powers of. <laughs> go, go ahead. We're might as well digress all the way at this point. It was like Earth, Air, Water, Fire, and Heart. I I had to finish it. I'm sorry. Heart, Heart was in there, wasn't it? I forgot. It was. Yep. Yeah, that was the Pink Ranger or something. That's they were all kids. They were like diverse. They were multicultural. Yeah, it was ahead <laughs> of its time. Honestly, it really was. Well, there's a throwback oh, for Olivia you. Would, uh, <laughs> I'd like us to know that uh, I'm not allowed to tell her she can't go to Japan and that she is watching us. So. Yeah, she, uh, her husband wants to live there so and teach English More power to to them. I actually do have a friend. Well, Shaw has a friend who lives there and teaches English. His name is John Joe. He's from London. John Joe. Well, Shaw used to live in Japan for a while, so he did. Yeah. <laughs> and, Excuse me. How oh. has this never Aaron? happened on a podcast before? Aaron. <laughs> Aaron doesn't know how to sneeze right, everyone. <laughs> that is, I like to anybody who <laughs> listens or is watching this. I was absolutely not faking it. That was 100% how I sneeze, and I honestly am impressed it's never happened it's like on a podcast before. And sneezes in a row, like, on rhythm, and each one's just, like, half a second long. Achy, 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 achy. Like a little mouse sneezing. Yes, it's very confusing. <laughs> uh, I completely derailed it, but it's fine, because we're at the end. Um, carbon offsetting... Um, do actions first, then throw money at things. Please and thank you. Love, Aaron. <laughs> and that is our episode. Thanks for tuning in for another look at the Aaron environment. We will be back again with more. In the meantime, check out jacksoncloud.com for this episode, others, and uh, our online church, among other things. Thanks. See you soon. Bye.
Thank you.